0: Good to be together in worship today, don't you think? Oh man, good stuff. Thank you team for leading us this morning in worship. Appreciate you guys, and the time you put in. Hey, I want uh, to start out this morning, I asked this last week, kind of hypothetically, I'm going to actually make you answer it this week. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start out this morning just with a, a, a quick question. Uh, I want to know by a show of hands, and wait till I'm done, and then you can, all, you can all do it together, how many of us would say we'd like to grow in our faith in the upcoming year? How many of us would say we'd like to grow in our confidence in God in 2019? How many of us would like to experience God's blessing more and more in our lives and know his provision, his abundance, uh, his reality in our lives? If you'd like to grow in, in your faith in 2019, I'll you your hand right now. All right. I, I believe that's true. And, and, and I'm going to kind of hold you to it a little bit today as we kind of dive into the topic. The reason that I ask the question is because... Um, the topic that we're going to talk about today really is key to growing spiritually it's 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 a huge way for us to experience more of god in our lives to grow in our love and devotion towards jesus to experience it's promised to 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 help us experience increased spiritual blessing in our lives and to really un- unleash god's kingdom in significant ways in us and through us it's probably one of the most practical messages that, that you'll get. It's really hands-on, nuts and bolts, kind of sure. And it's sure to allow us to see and experience more of God in the upcoming year. It's a huge deal. And yet, the reason I say this, and yet, right, it's kind of a taboo subject. It's one of those things, the second I bring it up, the second I mention what we're going to talk about today, it, it, the tendency for us is going to be to stick our hands in our pockets, to roll our eyes a little bit, be like, oh, here we go again. We'll kind of harden up, shut off our ears, and kind of and Draw a line in the hand and say, "I don't care what happens. I'm not doing it." Okay. So, do I have your attention yet? What What are we talking about today? Money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Money stuff, right? And, and I do have to say, I, but I mean, I, I have to say, even in my own life, I don't think there's been a, a way that I have experienced God more. Uh, than when it comes to the whole issue of money because it's so tied to our hearts. It's so close to what we value and what we prize, even what we worship most, is seen by how we handle this. And so that's what we're gonna talk about a little bit today. But again, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna encourage you if you could hit the you know just hit the pause button before you pass judgment because I can almost guarantee you this is not going where you think it's going today. This series is not going where you think it's going. So stick with us. It's gonna be fun. I'm super excited uh, about what God has in store for us. Uh, but if you can stay open-minded, open-hearted, I think God's gonna do some amazing stuff today. Okay? So I promise that's where we're going. Today we're launching a new series called Unleashed. And this whole series is going to be focused on seeing God's kingdom and his plans unleashed in us and through us more as a church. I've been dreaming about it literally for months. I've talked with different groups of people about this whole topic within our church. It's been simmering in me literally probably for the last six months. And It's an idea that I've been wanting to do probably for the last year. And so so I'm super excited. i have prayed up. I'm ready to go. And I really think God is going to do some fun stuff. Because uh, I, I, I really do believe that uh, this series has the potential to be transformational in our lives, and life-giving, and freeing. If we'll just keep an open heart, if we'll participate in what God, in what God is going to ask of us, uh, we'll experience him and kind of go to the next level in our faith and experience significant levels of breakthrough in our lives. Today, we're going to kick off this series by talking about putting God first in the area of our finances and the area of our lives, because the first step, really, to breaking the stranglehold of materialism, kind of breaking free from the sort of me-centered world that we live in, we're going to find is is learning to take a kind of kingdom-centered, living a kingdom-centered life as a Christ follower, and that starts out in the area of our finances. Let me get a story just to kind of get us going. But I've shared it once or twice before, I love the illustration, the imagery of it. Ivan the Terrible was uh, uh, kind of a horrible czar in 16th century Russia. He was best known for his brutality, for conquering uh, much of the region in that day. Uh, in fact, he was so busy taking on new territory that he had no time to actually date or to, to, uh, to find a wife. And so some of his advisors, some of his noblemen Started to become concerned in, in that day when uh, when the uh, the whole thing was about having an heir to pass down your kingdom to, it kind of left things in jeopardy, left things in, uh, in, on shaky ground, and so he kind of gave some. Uh, uh, I don't know, a charge or something to some of his men to find a suitable wife for him, which I'm not so sure I would pass that on, but they did sort of a, a bachelor kind of thing in that day. He wanted them to find somebody that was beautiful, intelligent, but of course, most importantly, somebody that was the son, uh, or, or was the daughter of a nobleman, I should say. And they found her in Greece. Her name was Sophia. She's the daughter of the king of Greece. And so Ivan went uh, to, to her father at once, the king, and asked for her hand in marriage. And the king agreed, upon one condition, that I would be baptized and join the church, right? Seems seems fair enough, and he was happy to do so. So he uh, set off for Greece with 500 of his best soldiers pre- fully prepared to get baptized and to join the church. On the way, uh, these 500 soldiers thought, well, he's our king, right? He's our general. He's our leader. If he's joining the church, then we want to join the church too. And, and that seemed all good and everything except... The whole idea is that to join the church you had to be baptized but you also had to sort of sign off or say be in agreement with the statutes of the church the articles of the orthodox church and they were in total agreement and aligned with them except one the one that they could not get around was it required that you not be a soldier professional a professional soldier and so uh they had this dilemma they asked for some time they're like Man, we have got to think about this. How can we continue to serve? He's quite a looker, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> but but the, dilemma was, yeah, yeah, the dilemma was how can we continue to serve our king and to be faithful soldiers to the king and at the same time get baptized and, and join the church, which says we can't be soldiers? And so they were kind of trying to think of this. Finally, they come up with a solution. And they said, OK, we're ready. And so uh, they finally arrived in Greece. Uh, Ivan got baptized, and now it's their turn. They said, you know, we figured this out. So 500 soldiers go out into the river with 500 priests all at the same time. They go to get baptized to go under the water. And right and before they do, they each one of them grab their soul, sword holds it high in the air, and they get baptized except for their arm, their fighting arm, and their sword, right? It's sort of their way of saying, there you go. See, we solved our dilemma. God, you can have all of me, but not my profession, (laughs) right? You can have all of me, but not my sword. You can have all of me, but not this. And my question is, I always think about that picture and the image of my, my question is, do you think God is pleased with that? Do you think he was fooled? Do you think he was like, this is so awesome. I got 500 more church members or church attenders today. Do you think he was really delighted by that? What do you think? No, no probably not. Or do you think God was fooled and saying, oh, look, they're doing the, the religious thing. They're doing the righteous thing. Is it Did that not put a smile on his face? Oh, they're going through the motions. Isn't that good? No, God knew their heart. I and mean, to be honest, I think God was probably sad and maybe even angry, certainly grieved at the sight Because God doesn't want to just have all of us accept one thing. He wants our hearts. He wants all of us. He wants us to to learn to follow and to trust him in every area of our lives. To do something like that is just an empty kind of going through the motions. Let me suggest to you kind of two things uh, about this. And the first one is, is it's. Because I think we all do this in different ways, right? We All all of us say, oh, God, you can have all of me accept, and we leave our arms sticking up out of the water. So you can have all of me accept this. But let me suggest to you two things. The first one is that I think, it's, I think oftentimes we do that. You can have all of me accept, and we hold something up because we're afraid of what God's going to require of that. And we think, you know what? It will be more freeing for me. It will be better for me. It will be more fun. It will be more enjoyable if I maintain control of this. But let me suggest to you that it is the very things that we withhold from God that enslave us. It is the very things that we hold away and we think, oh, I'm going to find freedom by doing whatever I want. It is those very things that lead to our downfall. It's those very things that entrap us, enslave us the first thing. second thing, I'll, just, and I'll give you some examples of this in just a minute, but I think the second thing I'll just say is, as Americans, can I just suggest to you that the thing that we hold up away from God is our money. We say, God, you can have, you can have me. I'm all in. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to go public with my faith. I'm going to make the profession, and I'll sign off on all of it, but don't touch my stinking money. That's mine. It's mine. It's mine. And we think, man, I'm going to hold on to it because that will be the good stuff. That will lead to freedom. And my question is, really? Really? is that Does that really lead to freedom? Let me share, share with you some of the stats about the average American these days. I've shared some of these before. These are updated. Some of them I haven't, but it's crazy. The average American makes around $62,000 a year as of, as of June of 2018. The average American has a total debt load on average of $136,000. That's averaged across everything. If you take, and that includes people that don't have any debt, right? If you take just the people that have some debt of any kind, even if it's a dollar, if you take some, that, that, that number goes up by several hundred thousand dollars. We are in debt up to our eyeballs. In fact, so much so that 20% of Americans say, there's no way out. There's There will never be a day in my entire life when I can be freed from this entrapment of temper, this slavery of debt. I will never be able to dig my, my way out, it's impossible. The average American, in fact, spends 47% of their pre-tax income, before Uncle Sam gets his share, 47% on a monthly basis on debt repayment, in one form or another, 47%. Anybody, could anybody use a 50% raise? How 47%? The average American has between eight dollars and $10,000 of credit card debt, it depends on what research you look at. The average American lists money problems as the number one cause of divorce in the U.S. and they list by far, it's not even close, as financial struggle is the biggest source of conflict in marriages. We butt heads against about it again and again and again. Worry. The average American worries about money on a daily basis. The average American is not content with what they make. They, they think they need about 20% more than they currently make, regardless of how much their income is. People that make $20,000 a year or people that make $150,000 a year all think they need about 20% more to be happy, to be sustainable, to, to be at a comfortable level. And what they find is that. The more your income goes up, it just continues to rise and, rise and rise and rise and rise and rise. So we have this insatiable appetite of we need more and we need more and we need more and we need more and we need more and, need more and, need more. and it's never enough. It's never enough because we, we can't even get a control on our spending, we're just spending more than we make every single month. One I read this week I thought was interesting. Uh, only one in five people who are facing financial hardship fall below the poverty line, which they list at $40,000 a year, which means 80% of people that are facing significant financial hardship make well over $40,000, most, most between $50,000 and $100,000 a year. Can I suggest to you that it's not an income issue? It's not. It's not an income We think it is. We think we need more and more. It's not an income issue. 61% of Americans say they couldn't cover a $1,000 emergency that would come up, it would put them in bankruptcy. They'd have to, or they'd have to go into bigger debt just to be able to handle it. So if the furnace goes out, or if there's a significant car repair, they've got nothing to say So we're holding our wallets, we're holding our money out of the water, we're saying, oh yeah, this is, if I hold on to this, it's gonna be great, there's gonna be freedom. You look at these stats, does this, do these stats look like freedom? Do these stats look like they're like, We're fighting about it, we're worrying about it, we're stressed about it, we're breaking up relationships about it, we're going further and further and further in debt. I read a bunch of stuff uh, that was the end of the year, 2018. We've, we've got the highest level of consumer debt ever. We've continued to, we, it, it, it uh, slacked off a little bit after 2008. And now it's just been on a steady inclu- increase, and we're breaking records every month of more debt, and more debt, and more debt. Consumer debt in our lives. We're becoming enslaved by it. Not freedom. It's the very things that we hold back, that we hold out of the water. The things that we think will bring us freedom, the things we think will bring us life. It is those very things that actually enslave us. And in America, even in the church. It's typically money. It's typically money. God, you can have all of me, but not that. That's why Jesus spent so much time talking about money. Listen to some of these quotes right from the lips of Jesus. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19-21. through 21. Jesus is teaching. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't do it where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. He says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also. Now hear this. God doesn't need your money. He owns everything, right? He created everything that is. He doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart. It's one of the reasons he says, do not, he knows as long as you keep this sucker up out of the water, he will not have. Until we finally do this and say, God, have all of me. I'm all in. Come and have your way. He doesn't need your stinking money. He wants your heart. It's those things that we hold away from God that enslave us and that lead our hearts further and further and further from Him. In fact, as long as we do this, by the way, what are we saying? We're saying, God, you can, you can have all of me, but not this. This is whose? Mine. This is my, it's about my dreams. It's about my wants. It's about my desires. And so if if where we spend our money, our heart follows, where, what is this communicating about our heart and what it's set on? What's the setup? Me. my me. me, 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 me. And God says, man, you know what? There's a better way. That's the way you live. Why, why would you, why would you live your life? If we get anything about the gospel, the gospel is about me screwing everything up and God coming in, rescuing us and bringing us to life and trying to lead us into a better life, the life that he made us for. And it is not about me. It's about him. He says, man, as long as you hold this out of the water, you are never going to experience the life in the kingdom that you are made for. You're never going to experience the full life that, that you're created for because your heart is will just continue to be focused on me and my and whatever else. He goes on a couple verses later to say this, this. is just harsh. Matthew 6, 24. Jesus says, nobody can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, if you're taking this, if you're a Christ follower and you're taking this and holding this out of the water saying, God, you can't have that. You know what? What does he say What does he say that is means about, your, about your relationship with God? He says, you hate God. That's not me saying right? No one can serve two masters. You'll hate the one and love the other vice versa. You can't serve both God and money. You have to choose. What's it going to be? What's, what is it going to be? Are you going to love God and hate money? Or vice versa, are you going to love money You have to choose. I have to choose. Jesus says, "There's no gray area in this. (laughs) It's a one or the other. It's a binary sort of thing." Money is a huge deal. When we hold it out of the water, God says, "You're only fooling yourself." If you're holding that back, you'll end up hating God. It's a huge statement. We see, these, we see this played out all over the New Testament. Money is what kept the rich young ruler from following Jesus in Matthew 19. So, one thing he was holding back and, and he ended up leaving Jesus and walking away sad because he had great wealth. He's like, No, I can't, I can't. I can't give that to you. I can't surrender that to you. I'm going to hold that out. And as a result, he walked away from Jesus. In Mark 4, Jesus teaches that the deceitfulness of wealth and the running after worldly things, it chokes the gospel and makes it unfruitful in our lives. It keeps it from growing, it keeps us from realizing our kingdom potential. God tells us in 1 Timothy 6 that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, all kinds of evil. Friends, the way we deal with our money has a huge impact on our faith, a huge impact on our soul, on our heart, and on our relationship with God. So these words from Jesus, from Luke 14, he said, If anybody comes to me and doesn't hate his father, his mother, his children, his brothers and sisters, Yes, it's even his own life, I would add, his money as well, right? So it's, it's, that, it's the same kind of language. Such a person cannot be my disciple." And whoever does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. the same way, those of you who do not are willing to just give up everything they have cannot be my disciples. Again, he's saying it could be money, could be family, could be all kinds of things that you're holding up. He's like, that's if you want to be my disciple, drop it, right? be free from it. Put it under the water, put it under Christ, submit to it, and come follow me, Jesus says, it, and you'll find life. That's where the good stuff is at. That's where the good stuff is is found. The things that we hold back from God are actually the very things that enslave us, the very things that keep us from experiencing the freedom and the life and the joy that God wants for us. But, as we'll see in a second, the things that we're willing to submit and entrust into God's care, the things we're willing to drop and open up our hands, to to put under the water so to speak are the things that will lead us to to life, the things that will lead us to freedom, the things that will bring us to life There's a practice that God has given to his people for thousands and thousands of years to keep our finances in check, to keep those things in perspective, to kind of test the quality of, what we're, of if we're holding our wallets and our money up or if we're willing to surrender, to destroy it, so to be break its hold on us and to live the life that we're made for. The practice. Is something known as tithing. <laughs> stick with me. I can see it happening, right? Click. <laughs> like that was the end of that. No, but stick with me because I really do think God's got great stuff. Tithing. It, it, it'll stretch us, but it really does show the winner of this whole thing. Tithing is something that Tina and I have done our entire married life for the last 21 years. Uh, so we're speaking from experience. We've, we actually do this stuff, we live this stuff out. Uh, we started tithing in our early 20s when we made virtually nothing. <laughs> we made, uh, I mean, seriously, very little money. I was a youth pastor at the time, uh, and I have to say as we've learned to put these things into practice, and we, as we've trusted God, as we've taken our wallets and said, "Okay, God, I don't have much, but it's yours." As we've made those and made those decisions and lived this stuff out, like, you know. We've experienced unbelievable provision in our lives. We've seen God come through in some amazing kinds of ways. Sometimes, miraculously, we've seen him take care of us in ways we can just jaw drop. I'll tell some stories later. We got out of debt in the midst of tithing in those early years, and it's no coincidence. And as we'll see, when we put God first in our lives, when we put God first in our finances, we experience his blessing. His presence, His provision, and His care. God honors those that honor Him, For Samuel tells us. So I want us to take a look at uh, one passage where God teaches and speaks to His people. Uh, in this particular passage, His people have sort of wandered. They've strayed. Their hearts have kind of gone away from God, so to speak, and He's rebuking them a little bit, but He's drawing them back and saying, man, I've got, I've got better things in store. He teaches on tithing in the midst of it. So I want you to listen to this. It's one that uh, has been... God's been dogging me with for the last couple of months and just been replaying over and over and over. Malachi 3, through 12 says this. He says, I, the Lord, did not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. What he's saying is, I keep my promises i made faithful even though you're not. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. God says, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how can we return? He goes on, he answers the question, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, he says. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, he says. You're under a curse, your whole nation. Again, this is written to God's people in the Old Testament. This is Israel. In the New Testament, God's people, is the church. He says, you're under a curse. He says, because you are robbing me, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And this is sort of uh, kind of illustration kinds of stuff in the end uh, of what that blessing was say. I'll, I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your field will not drop the fruit uh, before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. That all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. This is the Lord. A couple of questions for you. First one is this, and the first kind of thought uh, is this. It says at the beginning, it says, you are robbing God. How can, how can, how can the people be robbing God? How does that even work? Feedback to me here. Uh, how can they be robbing God? What does it say? So he, he's saying if you're not tithing you're robbing but doesn't that seem like you're not giving How how is it that they're robbing God Because because the tithe and really all the resources but because the tithe what's the word belonged to God right it has to belong to it, it has to belong to him to be stealing from him the understanding in the old testament was that the tithe Belong to God. The first 10 tithe is a fancy word that means 10%, right? So the first 10% of what they made, he says, belongs to Him. The New Testament understanding is that it's not just the the first 10% and that we can live on 90%, but the mature Christian view is that what belongs to God? All of it belongs to God, right? I would say the spiritually immature, we'll say, uh, understanding of money is. My, mine, my, my, mine, 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 right? That's the immature sort of belief. The obedience belief from the Old Testament into the New Testament, Jesus reaffirms it, Right? it says the first 10% of it is God's. The New Testament understanding, the mature Christian view says, yes, the, the first 10% belongs to God, and I'm going to bring that to God as, as part of my offerings, part of my tithes. But what, how do you want me to live with the remaining 90% as well? Because it's all. It's all given for your purposes, for your goals. Yes, for me to enjoy as well, but it's given for bigger purposes than just me, 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 me. It's given for purposes that say, you, 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 you. What are you going to do in your family? Family, you entrusted to me. What do you want to do? How do we use it in your world? How do we use it for your kingdom, for your purposes? What are the plans that you have that you want to be realized? The resources. Time, through the talents, through the treasure, whatever that you have entrusted to me, it's all yours anyway. So the first thing, in order for it to be robbing God, it's got, you got to have that understanding that it's God's to begin with. He is, it's on loan to you for a fairly short time, right? Number of days that we walk this earth, it has been entrusted to you, but it's entrusted to you for His purposes. How are you using it for His glory, for His purposes? Are you? robbing God? Are you pulling this up and saying, no, no, that's mine? Or are you saying, you know what, God, it's all yours. I want to I honor you with the with the, tithe, the first fruits and with the rest of my life. But i to give it back to you as a way to say, I trust you, as a way to say, I'm all in, I'm following you, as a way even to say thank you for the ways you provide for me abundantly and extravagantly. It's all yours, and so I'm obeying, I'm trusting, I'm following, I'm living for you. Now again, I feel like I always need to remind us here, but is this about earning God's love or His trust or His forgiveness? Of course not, right? We've, we've talked about we talk about it pretty much every week. No, those God's love for you, the forgiveness, going to heaven, all that stuff, has been purchased for you already by Jesus. It's not something you can earn or deserve, right? This is not talking about that. This is talking about how can we live in right relationship with God. How can we learn to follow him? How can we grow in our faith? How can we come to life? How can we flourish as we walk with God? And this is talking about learn to entrust God with your finances and with your heart and with the rest of your life. So that's the first thing. The second thing I just want to mention is uh, what's fascinating about this passage is God has sort of tossed the gauntlet, so to speak. You know, it's the whole like challenge and throw it down right before us kind of thing. He's he's, he's basically double-dog dared us. Most of the time in in the pages of Scripture, to put the Lord your God to the test, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's actually a bad thing, right? We're told not to put the Lord our God to the test. Thank you. But in this specific instance, is this a good thing? God says, I dare you. I challenge you. Test me. Test me. What try. Why don't you why don't you take that wallet, put it under the water, submit it to me, bring your tithes and entrust them into my care and see if I'm not faithful. In fact, he says, see if I don't pour out blessing on you. See if I don't come through in significant ways. Now does that always equate to money? Like if I give one dollar, I will get ten dollars back or what? No, it's not like that. Sometimes the blessing is intangible. right? Sometimes we it's a sense of his peace and his presence. Sometimes it's just no one is smiling. You know, I'm, I'm living in a right relationship with Him. I'm putting God first. I'm trusting. him. Sometimes it's still hard, right? Sometimes it is. But, but I have to say, more often than not, I'm amazed. I always hesitate to say this because I'm not trying to be like help the gospel boy or something. That's not what I'm saying. But, I, you know, God wants me to have a new airplane. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that. Like, but I'm I'm amazed at how often when we when we trust our hearts and our finances to God that that blessing is tangible. We have seen it again and again and again and again and again in our lives. I shared maybe a month ago or something about a time when we were tithing and we were real short on cash and the bills were stacking up and it made no sense whatsoever. And uh, and. Uh, we started praying and saying, okay, we're, we're still going to give our tithe, we're still going to put you first, God, but God, you've got to come through or we're dead, right? It's kind of that, those kind of moments, and uh, I told you a story about, about we were in a town for a conference at, uh, where we didn't know anybody else, and an envelope of cash showed up underneath our door with a note saying it was from God. How do you explain that? <laughs> I, mean, there's just, I mean, this is—I mean, this and this is I'd like I said, it's just a one-time thing. But it's happened again and again and again. Stuff like that. We had instances where vans, two different vans, over the course of our lifetime were given to us. One was bought for us by some different people that felt like God wanted to do it, just provided for us. I mean, when it didn't even make sense. Sometimes there have been years, years, a lot of years, when uh, it wasn't like one glorious, miraculous sort of like stacks of cash from heaven dropped on us, but it was a month by month where we were trusting God and we tithe. and we were trying to do the right thing, and on our budget, it didn't really make sense. We had categories all over the place that had zeros next to them that should have had some money in them, right? I mean, kind of things that were like, we really do need some money for this, like clothing at some point after years, like we're gonna need to buy some new socks or something, like it's gonna happen, or different, you know, whatever. areas that it shouldn't have worked, and we'd get to the end of the year, we'd start to fill out our taxes, and I would print off all these category things, I'd be, I've so I could do all my stuff, and I'd look back, and I'd shake my head, and look, I have no idea why it worked, but God made it work. It shouldn't have worked, right? I mean, you're looking at it, the numbers don't necessarily add up, but God made it work. He provided what we needed month after month after month after month. It was his sustaining presence. Sometimes it's not miraculous sometimes it is sometimes it's just a sense of him taking care of you a little bit at a time day by day by day but sometimes as well you get just see God do some amazing things I've sure, shared before we went through grad school I went through grad school completely debt free and God provided for us every single semester every time we come down to the wire I'm thinking well I'm not gonna. I didn't really want to do it at the time anyway. <laughs> we were doing all kinds of other stuff. I was super busy, so I was sort of like, hey, if you take taking a semester off, I'm okay with that. So we'd get down to the wire, we'd owe like, I don't know, $3,000 or something like that. We wouldn't have the money until like, it's over, and uh, we'd pray, and the next day money would show up. I mean, seriously, stuff like that, just jaw dropping kinds of things. In God's economy and in his kingdom, when we trust him, when we put him first in our lives and in our finances, when we bring the whole tithe into God's house, we see and experience his presence, his power, his provision more and more. more. I'm not just making this stuff up. It's real. It really happens. And in fact, some of you, we can go around and tell stories. Some of you have experienced this again and again and again as well. It's, this isn't some trick. It's not an angle I'm playing. It's not about trying to get the church more money or something. It's about unleashing God's kingdom and his will and his dreams in you. It's about breaking the grip of materialism in our lives. It's about moving from a me, 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 me kind of perspective to say, you, 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 God, what you want? It's your, I'm yours my whole life. I am all in. How you want me to live? I am yours. It's about being freed from the other stuff. To step into God's kingdom. To recognize His presence and His power more. It's about breaking that grip of materialism and having hearts that are all in with Him. Let me paint a picture for you um, about what's happened about our reality here at Ignite. And, uh, and then I'm going to let you know the challenge for the month, which is going to be super fun, by the way. You, you don't think so because you're like, I was and it's going to be awesome, so stick with me. First first reality, and I think this is this is actually not, not all that different from uh, any other church in America, it's pretty normal, but at our, this is a couple months old now, this data, but uh, for our church, for our regular tenders, there's a hundred and so regular tenders of Ignite, uh, 50% of us don't give anything. There's no trackable record, uh, which means, you might throw a few bucks in the offering plate, um, but half of us aren't, aren't living that way, uh, aren't giving anything that's trackable. Another um, number of percent you can see is, it's, that's based on giving per month. Our best guess at this point, oh, and by the way, I, I will just mention uh, sometimes people think, like, Oh yeah, but I mean, like you guys get so much cash in the offering plate that that could be like 20 people could be tithing, and because I'm sure it's just stacks of cash. Let me just for perspective. Let me just say, if you take all the cash that was given during 2018 and added it up. It would be less than the tithe of one average person in Peoria of what the average income in Peoria. Be, it would be less than a tithe for one person. So it's not that much. It's not. It, again, what I'm saying is is that that says half of us just aren't, aren't giving at all really aren't giving are giving very very little A, another you know percentage whatever our best guess is maybe 85 percent of us aren't, aren't typing we're not doing that which again i know we don't mean this and we don't think this way but again i'm just going back to our passage which means 85 percent of us are saying uh-uh God, you can't have that. 85% of us are saying, "This, my life is about me. I'm going to spend my money however I want. Me, me. You stay back, God. I don't want you in this part of my life. Okay, we don't mean this with that. 85% of us are saying, we love this for the God. Can you just stay quiet here? 85%. And I'll tell you what, friends, I'll tell you what, friends, it's time for that stat to change. Not because, again, not because of some big manipulation, but imagine, what if what if God says it's true? Imagine, what if when God says, hey, I double-dog dare you, test me in this and see if I won't open so much, the floodgates of heaven, you won't even know what to do with it, right? Imagine, what if that's true? And again, yeah, tangibly, not tangibly. I'm not saying it means you're going to get a new Rolls next week, right? That's that's not what we're saying. But imagine what if that's true. What if God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine? What if God is able to make all grace abound so that we can have all that we need? What if God really is the source of everything? What if He's not broke? And what if He wants to provide? What if He wants to show His power and His love for you in real tangible ways? What if it's true? that 85% of us are missing out. 85% of us aren't experiencing the blessing that God wants to pour out on us. 85% of us are holding back and missing out and not seeing our faith grow. I talk about this uh, quite often. I <laughs> talk about God math, right? And I, I get it, because this is sort of weird, but I, I think I think some of us, I think a lot of us maybe even, want. To tithe, we want to give. We want to be players. We want to be all in, but we're afraid because we see it and we're like, well, if you have a hundred percent and you take away ten percent, that's less, right? And I get it. And of course, from a worldly math perspective, is that true? Yes. But from a God math perspective, it's just not because in His economy, as we surrender, if we take if we take ten percent and we give it back to Him, we're what we're left with oftentimes is more than we started when it was just about me. It doesn't make sense. I can't exactly explain it to you, but uh, but I'll tell you what. God brings blessing and provides in profound ways when his people submit their lives, submit their resources, go all in with him. Here's the challenge. Here's where we're going for the next month. And uh, I think this is going to be super fun. Again, I've been dreaming about this for a while. So woo. so here's uh, first of all, yeah, take, take out your, there's a card in your program. We'll start with this and then I'll get to the exciting part. But uh, this is fun, too. This is the challenge. For the next 30 days, today is January the 6th. So from January 6th through February 6th, here's what, here's what we're asking. We're saying, would you be willing to test God on this? Would you be willing to say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to put this down, to submit it to God, and to, to, to allow God into my finances and, therefore, allow my heart to go in the direction of him being submitted to Him. Are you willing to? to test God by by putting him first in tithing. Okay, so here's here's what it says. It says, for the next month, January 6th through February 6th, I'll bring my whole heart and my whole tithe, 10% to God. I'll trust him in his promise to be faithful. I want to use my time, my talents, my treasure for his kingdom dreams and for his kingdom purposes. If that's something that you're like, you know what? I'm scared, but I'll try it for a month. I'll try it for a month. If that's something that you can say and you can do, I want you to sign it. And I want you to throw it in the uh, offering bucket when it comes by. But before you do, let me hit the pause button and tell you uh, what we're going to do with it. The uh, first thing uh, that I'll say is, I mean, again, I'm guessing here; these are guesstimates, But I'm like, man, if, if 85% of us aren't tithing right now, and we, and 100% of us started tithing, started saying, you know, we're going to put God first in our lives this way, uh, I don't know how much it would be, but I'm guessing, let's say, three times our income, our regular income. It'd be super significantly more than what we get. So here's what we're gonna do. We are take 50% of it and we still have to pay the bills and stuff So we'll say 50% of it we'll use for for paying bills and rent and all that kind of stuff We'll go to, towards operational expenses, but the other 50% uh, are, are just fun. So uh, For those of us that are afraid and we're like, man I'm afraid to step out because what if I start tithing and then at the end of the month, I can't pay my bills Legitimate concern, right? Did anybody ever feel that way? If I gave more, I don't know how I could pay my bills. So here's what we're gonna do, we're gonna take 25% of whatever comes in, we're gonna put it in a safety net fund, okay? Which what that means is fine, try it for a month, and if at the end of the month you're like, you know what, I can't pay my bills, we'd love to help you out and do it. In fact, we could kind of pull some resources from each other, and we could serve you, and we could give and help make that happen. That, too, is biblical. Acts chapter 4. You can read about it, where where people would bring their tithes or offerings. Some people would sell land or houses or whatever. They would come. They would put the money at the apostles' feet, which I don't know why they did that, but that's where – that was their collection basket or whatever, right? They put it at the apostles' feet, and it says it was distributed to anybody that had needs. We would love to be the church for you, right? I think there's something – great about that. Like if, if if you try it and you're like, I can't pay my bills, we'll help you. That'll be fine. Uh, you can. We'll make, it, we'll make it easy. It will not be a hard thing, but you can come and get the help. Now, some of us that are the thinkers or the skeptics uh, in, in the room say, well, that just doesn't make sense. Why would I give 10% if at the end of the month I'm going to have to get that 10% back to make my bills? And I say, it's a fair question, but here's the thing. When we use that kind of logic, we're taking God out of the equation entirely. Because God is the one, remember, that says, I double dare you. I, I dare you. Trust me in this. He says, bring your whole time. Trust me in this and see if I don't provide for you. See if I don't pour, open up the floodgates of heaven. Now, I have to say, does that mean that all the bills will be? I have no idea, but that's why we're, we're I think as we open up and as we start trusting him and putting him first, I think we'll see him provide. I don't think We'll use, we'll use probably some of that, 25% but probably not that much. The rest of it, we'll, we'll go into the, the last part. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm kind of all over the place today. You guys with me? Is this okay? Can I jump? I did put one of these in your programs as well. It's kind of a, uh, a budget tracking kind of thing just to kind of help us with this. We take the challenge. It starts out with income at the top. What's your income, your spouse's income, any additional income? We kind of put that at the top. And then we said, okay, take that number, add them together, take 10% of it. That's your tithe. And then we said, uh, uh, take... Put some back for savings. That too is a biblical principle. We teach on it quite often around here. Uh, only the fool devours everything he has, right? The wise person saves some back. So I don't care if it's $50 or $100 or $10 or $500. I want you to put something back. So I want you to put the tithe in there. I want you to save how much you're going to put into a savings account, even an emergency fund or whatever. Spend less than you make and then total that up. So, what's your total income minus your tithe minus your savings? And that's the number that you have to work with for your budget. That's the ex- expense categories then and then figure that out. Now, here's the part that's crazy. This is like foreign to us because usually this is how our budget works, right? We're like, well, I have all my expenses and all my wants and all my dreams and everything I want. That's so me, 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 me. And if there's anything left, maybe I'll throw a few bucks in savings. Oh, and yeah, maybe I'll throw a five-spot offering bucket when it comes. It. It's completely backwards because because it's based on me, right? It's based on holding our wallet up out of the air. So what we're saying is what if you turn this thing around? What if you put God first and say, God, whatever income comes in this month, I'm going to take 10% of it, and I'm going to give it to you as a way to say, I trust you. I'm testing you. I'm hoping you're going to be faithful like you said. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give back to you. Because um, I want my life to be about you. I want my life to be about your kingdom and your glory and your plenty And I will trust you for the rest and live on the rest. So if you're willing, would you do this. So 50% is going to go towards operational stuff for the church. 25% is in the safety net um, that, you know, if you need help, we'd love to help right? That kind of a thing. And then anything that's left uh, from that after about 60 days, we'll probably put into the third category, which is the underground. This is the part that gets super fun. So we're calling this the underground, and what it stands for is the underground church. You know who the underground church is? Right. It's you, right? And here's, here's the thing, that and this is what we're going to spend the rest of the series talking about, uh, just fun stuff, but I think that not only has God provided enough uh, to take care of the needs of the church and that kind of stuff. Not only is God going to provide enough uh, to, to help meet the needs of, of those of us that could use some help, but I think there's this other category. I think God has provided us and given us all the resources, all the money we need to help fund the dreams and the ways that he's going to prompt each one of us to live in his kingdom over the next 30 days, over the next 60 days, 90 days, over the next year. And, and what I mean by that is this. What if, as we stay and step, as we yield ourselves to him, as we learn to listen to him and respond to him, what if God is going to start prompting you and and bubbling up dreams in you about ways that you can make an impact for his kingdom? What if there's a neighbor or a family member or a coworker that's going through a horrible season, they've lost their job, they don't really have anything right now? What if God taps you on the shoulder and says, you know what? What if you could just go fill up their deep freeze form? Just as a just as a fun uh, way to sort of live out the kingdom. What if God is tapping you and saying, you know, I want you to go and do it? And if so, we're gonna have a form starting next week. It'll be on the app, it'll be paper forms, we'll have it all over the place. Where you could just say, you know I think God maybe is prompting me to help buy some groceries or whatever for this person. And we're gonna take from from that pile of money, the underground, we're gonna take some we're gonna take some money, we're gonna give it back to you and say, you know what? I think it's from the Lord. Go do it. Like, go bless them. In in Jesus' name, let them know that this is a crazy God thing, that God's provided for the church, and we want to go out and we're to bless people. And not, and not just giving stuff, but like serving you. God might prompt some of you and say, you know what? Maybe he's put a passion in you for some type of ministry, for helping addicts or homeless people or, um, or whatever. And maybe he's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, you know, I want you to reach out to this. Maybe there's something a minister, maybe a kid, maybe there's a program that somebody needs to go through so they can find freedom from alcohol or drugs. Who knows? Right? I mean, maybe maybe there's uh, uh, something specific that, uh, that God's tapping you on the shoulder. Like, maybe you've got a heart for single moms. And maybe you're going to run into one, a new mom or something. Maybe she needs some baby equipment. I have no idea. But, like, car seats and formula and diapers and whatever. Maybe God's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, you know what? Like, why do you go home? Buy, buy diapers for the year. Why don't you go out and buy a new car seat for him? And we're going to have an opportunity to kind of cast the vision and the dream. And we're going to say, you know what, we think that's from the Lord. Go do it. But can you imagine how fun this would be? Doesn't this sound fun to you? Like, where we could just, we could start dreaming again and start being like, hey, what kind of dreams does God have for his kingdom? What kind of dreams does God have? For you specifically, because I think God has put a kingdom seed, a kingdom dream in each one of us, and he is raising it up. And this is just an opportunity to release those things, right? To send us out to be his hands and feet, to live for Jesus, to see his kingdom come and his will be done in Peoria and in your neighborhood and in your family and your friends. And, you see what I'm saying? On and on. I'm not sure if I'm communicating. You guys with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the vision, you get the heart. So, for the next three weeks, the rest of the time, today we were talking about, first of all, moving away from me, right, to God, right, surrendering that part. We're talking about funding the, the, the mission and the vision and unleashing resources for God's kingdom, unleashing uh, God even in our resources, in our own lives finding freedom to be able to live some stuff out. But for the rest of the time, we're going to talk about not just with our treasure, but with our time, our talents, our dreams that God's putting inside of us. How can we live for his kingdom? I think it's going to be a who Each week is going to build on the previous. Don't miss it. But for today, we're starting here and saying if you are up for this adventure, I want 100% of us to say yes. But if you're up for this adventure, say, you know what? I'm willing enough to try it. I want you to take this out. I want you to sign it. I want you to date it and then throw it in the offering bucket when it comes by. And, uh, and then you might want to buckle up. It's going to be a heck of a ride. I can't wait to see what our God will do as we trust it, as we go all in with it, as we follow him. The next Let's pray. Father, we love you. We need you. Lord, forgive us for so easily getting sidetracked for so easily setting our gaze on stuff and money and just being consumed by that whole business. Instead, of God, today we just want to surrender ourselves to you. We want to go all the way with you. Just say, God, we need you, we want to see your kingdom and your plans prevail. We we'll want to see your purposes, even your dreams, unleashed in us and through us. I pray that you do that over this next month, that you, during this experiment, that you would just show yourself in unprecedented ways. I pray that we could, as we step out and trust you with our finances by bringing our tithes and offerings, God, I pray that you would blow our minds as we get to see your provision and your blessing and your kingdom. I pray, God, that you would uh, quiet our hearts and open our ears to hear the promptings of your spirit. Give us courage and boldness to step out and trust you, even to, to live these kingdom dreams out, to take them and to make, make them happen, turn them into action, that we could be uh, not that we could not just experience blessing for ourselves, but that we could be blessed to bless others, uh, and, and again, use all these things, God, just to expand Your kingdom, to draw people to Jesus, to show Your power and Your glory to uh, to Your church, but to thousands of people around us that desperately need Jesus as well. God, we're willing. We open up our hands and our hearts and say, "God, we're come and have Your way."